Psalm chapter number 56, where we left off last week. And I'll just be honest with you, I don't know how much uh, preaching I'm going to be doing at you tonight. Um, I always have preaching me, but um, I, I, just don't, I just don't know about... I kind of want to just talk to you tonight, you know what I mean? So I'll try not to drag it out too long, but... Uh, but I really think God has something for us here tonight, and um, I want to look at it. Uh, to the chief musician, upon good luck, <laughs> Miskam of David, when the Philistines took him in Gath. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O Thou Most High. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I'll praise his word. In God I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words, all their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark my steps. When they wait for my soul, shall they escape iniquity? In thine anger cast down the people, O God, thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word, in the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust, I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God, I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Let's pray. Father, I love you tonight and I thank you for being God. I thank you for being a very present help in trouble. I thank you for being a great comforter. And Lord, I think what we all need tonight, and Lord, especially these young folks in our church who are going through a tough time, and more specifically tonight, we really pray for Alexia, Lord. I pray, God, that your comforting and your healing hand would be on this this place and on these people, on the auxiliars and on the Markels, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for being who you are and for giving, Lord, the, the training and the heart that would cause a young man to be able to make a decision that he made. And we're really thankful that we're not doing two funerals today, Lord, this weekend. We just really appreciate how good you are. And Lord, we just cry out to you for our friends in Ohio. We cry out to you for our church family here and we ask you, God, to please help us tonight to get something from this that'll just help our church and strengthen us and help those that are struggling and grieving, help those that are confused. May we take something away tonight that'll truly help and impact every one of us, even these little ones, God, that they'll get a hold of God, that they'll realize, Lord, that they never know, they never know. They never know where they'll be tomorrow. We never imagined Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, after such a great day, that the day would 
end like it did. And God, for anybody that's not saved, Josh was obsessed with talking to people about the Lord. God, for anybody that's not saved, I pray even tonight somebody would realize that they need, they need to be saved and that they'd get saved tonight. I pray you'd help these young people to give their heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ because they may not have 20 years or 30 years to grow up and then do something for you. They need to do something for you now because they may see you sooner than they expect. I pray, God, you'd get their attention tonight. I pray you'd be with my mind, Lord. Please help me. Please be with my mouth. And please help me to be able to be exactly what you want me to be, what you need me to be, and what these people need me to be in this moment. I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look down with me at verse number 9, please. I'm taking my thought from here. Look at how that verse ends. He says, For God is for me. I want to talk to you on that subject, God is for me. I think that's an interesting phrase, and I find it strange that the psalmist states this because he's stating it, if you look at the title, when the Philistines took him in Gath. You remember the story, that was a really bad time. He was scared to death. He runs down to Gath, and he's, he's actually so scared, he's spitting up on his own beard and, and, and like losing it because he's so afraid. It, he, he had gotten to a point in his soul. You've got to understand what I'm saying. You need this if it ever hits you in life. He got to a point in his soul where he literally was freaking out. I don't know if you've ever had, if that's ever happened to you. I don't know if it's ever happened to somebody you love. But I've told you, and I've told you, and I've told you. Just because you're a Christian and just because you're doing right and just because you're trying to serve God does not mean bad things don't happen to good people. Haven't I told you that? Okay. Even David had devastatingly bad things happen to him in his life. You know what you need to know in that moment? You need to know in that moment when your mind can't think straight, when you can't even form words, because you're that far down at the bottom, you need to know that God is for you. I like knowing that God is for me. I want to know that I know that I know that I know that God is for me. Because sometimes, at certain points in your life, that's all you may have. And if you know that God is for you, then you will find the strength you need in that moment to get you through that moment and be able eventually to see something good come out of that devastating time. That's what David's in at this point. He's wore out with everything. It's come at him from every angle. His father-in-law, his wife, his friends. I mean, it's just got him to a point now where he's driven out of his own hometown and I want, I want to say this. At the end of David's life, he made a mistake. You've got to understand the level David's at in this passage. At the end of his life, he made a mistake. He had him number Israel. Remember that? And God came to him and God said, All right, here's the deal. Because you've numbered Israel, you've got three things to pick from. I think it was three years of famine. I know it was three years of famine. You can run before your enemies for three months while they chase you, or three days of pestilence. 
Now, now wait a second. You remember David's life? That man had the highest highs between him and God. Man, I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, as a kid, kill a lion. As a kid, you kill a bear. As a kid, you kill Goliath. You cut off that head when none of those other soldiers, they're all bad-mouthing you, and you cut off that head and you stand on that body and hold that head in the air, and you hear the roars of thousands of voices of soldiers coming down that hill. Can you imagine the adrenaline pumping through his body? Can you imagine the glory he's given to God? That same guy buries kids. Buries his own kids. Has his son rape his daughter. Has wives, wife stab him in the back. His own son turns on him and then takes his wives into the, on the rooftop as concubines and humiliates him and his wives as concubines in front of the whole nation. Drives him off his throne. Has his own men turn on him. The guy knew grief. He's a type of Jesus Christ who's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. David knew grief. And when God said, I'm going to give you a judgment, David said, just don't give me the people problems. Don't turn men loose on me. He accepted famine, which means lots of death. And he accepted uh, uh, pestilence, which means three days of people dying everywhere. But he knew those two things were better than turning men on him. David understood grief. He understood what it is to be tortured emotionally. And he's the one writing this passage in one of those darkest moments, those lowest points, because the Philistines took him in Gath. Remember when he ran over there to him? And he's writing this passage. You'll notice a couple of things in here that I really want to point out to you. We're not going to be long tonight, maybe 20 more minutes. I want you to see the temptation of David in verses 1 and 2 because in your moments, you're going to have the same temptation. Listen, this might not be for you tonight, but sooner or later, you're going to need it. Just like you've heard me preach a thousand times, just because you're serving God, kids, doesn't mean everything's going to work out in your time frame the way you want it. Haven't, haven't I told you that? Girls, it doesn't mean you're going to turn 18 or 19 and Mr. Perfect's going to show up right away and sweep you off your feet because you served God. Life still happens, even to good people. Unfair things happen in a sinful world. Things that will not make sense to you and nobody can walk up and give you the answer. You understand? So when that happens in your human Psyche, your human ability to comprehend it, your human evaluation, your human judgment literally cannot grab this because there is nothing to even think about. There's, there's no answer. It's not fair. It shouldn't have happened. There's going to be a temptation there. And the temptation is going to be this. Look at verse number one. He says, For man would swallow me up, he fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. The temptation is going to be to think that your problem that you have right now is going to destroy you. Did you hear me? The temptation in that moment 
is going to be for you to say, my whole life is now defined by this one unfair thing. And that's not true. But in that moment, it is your reality. You know what you need to know in that moment? I don't know how this can work out. I don't know how my life can ever go back to normal. I don't know how I can ever bounce back from this. Whatever you fill in the blank, you need to know God's for you. And that if He be for you, who can be against you? And God is for you. When you love Him, when you love His Word, when you're trying to serve Him, when you're trying to please Him, I am telling you, your Heavenly Father is going to take care of you. He's for you. The temptation is going to be to think that this problem is going to swallow me up. Remember, David's not even on the throne yet. Actually, before long, he's going to be sitting on the throne in Hebron. And he sits there for eight years before God gives him the next step. So at 30 years old, he finally sits on the throne in Hebron. I think it was 30, something like that. And he sits there for eight years. And I think at 38, then he becomes king over the whole nation. God gives him eight years of a transition process before God gives him everything God had planned for him. But in this moment, he can't see all that. He cannot possibly comprehend how any of this could ever... What are you talking you're, you're nuts, man. That's, it's over. That's a temptation, and that's not the Lord. That's the devil. It's your human understanding. It's the world around you. But it rules out the almighty God of the universe. Number two, under the temptation of David. Look at verse 7. Shall they escape by iniquity? See the question? You know what you're going to be tempted to think? You're going to be tempted to think in that moment that God's not fair. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger cast down the people, O God. He's looking at how the wicked people seem to get away with murder. Listen, lost kids are out there driving drunk. Lost kids are out there sitting in parking lots smoking joints. I'm smelling it everywhere I go now. And surviving. And a godly young man trying to do right had this tragic thing happen. You know what the devil's going to try to make you think? God wasn't fair. You know what you better know in that moment? You better know God's for you. You better know something else. You better know God was for Joshua. You better know something else. God's for Alexia. You better know something else. God's for Sophia. You better understand that. You're going to see it sooner or later. But God's for them. We're not God. If I'm looking at it right, I don't know if this might help somebody. If I'm, if, if, there's a possibility of this. If I'm looking at it right, since his soul's no longer in time because he's with the Lord, that means he's up there with you. Yeah. You see why the bummer is for us? Yeah. Because they're not missing you. They're up there with you. Aren't you seated with him in heavenly places? Didn't John get caught up into the future and see your face up there in Revelation? <laughs> I, I can't really explain that, but I mean, I'm just saying, it's a really cool thought, ain't it? Yeah. 
See, it's you that's left back here that doubts God. But Joshua ain't doubting God. Jordan ain't doubting God. It's us. And that's a way the devil's going to come after you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is just for, but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Another temptation is in verse 13. Temptation is to think that God's going to let you fall. Verse 13, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling? Hey, don't you know God saved you? Did God save you? He saved your soul from an eternity in hell? If God saved your soul from an eternity in hell, you think God's going to abandon you in this lifetime? Ain't that interesting? But boy, in the intensity of the moment, you're going to think your temptation's going to be, I am I, not going to make it. I can't do this. I can't do this. You're right. You can't. But God can. You got to know. You got to know. You got to know that God's for you. You know what the devil wants you to do? He wants you to get mad at God. You say, well, the devil didn't do this. Okay, you know what? I don't think the devil did it. I don't think there's this like, oh, you know, the devil, we got to be afraid. I don't, I don't think the devil did it. I think it was life under the sun. I don't think the devil gave her what he gave her. I don't think it was the devil. But you know what? He sure knows how to show up. His principalities and powers sure know how to come along and start trying to put thoughts in your mind afterwards to say, it's God, it's God, it's God. you know why? He knows what God means to you. And He knows what God's going to do for you, in you, with you. He knows. And He wants to make sure you blame the wrong source. It's a temptation. Notice something else. The temptation of David, number two. Notice the tears of David in verses 8 and 9. Thou tellest my wanderings. When you go to the bank, you go to the teller. So what he's saying is, you count my wanderings. Now watch this, very interesting. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. A couple things about your tears. In verse number 8, they're counted by God. You know, you don't cry a tear. You little kids, you don't cry a tear that God doesn't see. What, what I want you to understand about heartbreak is that it started the day you were born. Does that make sense? The day you were born, what do babies do when they come into the world? Those little infant cries, God sees and counts. God Almighty knows every tear that I've ever shed. God knows every one. Little kid falls off their bike and skins their knee and elbow. God counts those tears. Teenagers' first heartbreak from a romantic breakup. <laughs> God counts those tears. Loneliness of a single. God knows those tears. Divorce. Tragedy of a kid. 
passing away or a kid going prodigal on God, God knows every tear you've ever cried. Wars, doctor's visits. You ever had so much grief that you just get physically ill? God counts every single one of them. God knows every single thing. He knows the hairs of your head, don't He? He knows that every hair that's on your head, God knows the number. So it's nothing much for God to know every tear you've ever cried. And David made a note of that. In Malachi, don't turn there, in Malachi chapter 3, God writes down your thoughts in a book. He says, Thou tellest, means you count my wanderings. God knew every step that was going to be taken Sunday night. God knew every little thing that was coming long before any of us knew it. None of it shocked. It shocked us. Lots of shock. Not Him. None of it shocked Him. He says, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Real interesting. I had to kind of dig down on this one. What they would do in that day is at funerals, they had a bottle that had a little, a little pipe-like neck on it with a round container at the bottom of the bottle, and they would, they would catch their tears into that bottle, and it was their custom then to take that bottle and put it in the casket. What he's saying here, he says, put thou my tears into thy bottle. In other words, God actually cares that you are grieved. To God it matters. And He knows it. And it means something to Him. Notice in verse number 9, When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. So not only are those tears, tears that we cry in life, but you know what we need to do with our tears? Since God counts them and knows them, we've got to turn them to Him. Like I already said, the devil wants to get you to turn from him. But what God wants, he wants you to come and he wants you to cry to him. I'm a dad. I'm a sinful dad. I'm not a good dad. I want to be a good dad. But man, when I compare myself to what I know to be a perfect dad, I feel like a lousy dad. And as a lousy, sinful dad, when my girls are bugged, There's no girl jokes. There's no emotion jokes. When they're really, really crying and they're really broken hearted, you know what I tell them? Don't bottle it up. Come talk to me. Don't bottle it up. Come cry to me. Let me help you process what you're trying to process. Let me work with you on this. Please, let me me carry this with you. Right? Sinful dads, right? Brother Dave said, I hate that they opened up this GoFundMe, brother. I feel like I'm profiting off my son. I said, Dave, you listen to me. How many millions of dollars would you have as a father pay to have him back? And he broke down. He said, there's no number. I said, people are just trying to express their love to you. And to do whatever they can do to take a little bit of a burden off you, you need to accept it. But as a father, wouldn't you take every 
single problem your kids have? Listen to me. I told my kids this this week. As your dad, if I could take every heartbreak, every boo-boo, every issue, every problem you ever had from the day you were born until the day you die, I don't care what that means. Every bereavement that you may have, if you someday bury a child, anything that's coming in your life, if I could take all four of your problems, give you the perfect life and wreck mine, I would do it in a heartbeat because I'm your dad. Right? You know that's what God did? Casting all your care upon Him for He careth for you. He took your place. And we forget that because we're stuck in time. We're not in eternity yet. We're stuck in time. So to us, this small little life seems so big. But to God, He's already got us on the other side. And now we fail in this life because to us there's so much pressure, but you're supposed to take your burden to the Lord because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. you got nowhere else to go. Your only option is to make your problems get worse by going ahead and burying the problems that everybody in the world buries, bears. Everybody has problems, saved and lost. And lost people have to bear them on their own. Saved people get to take them to God and watch God make us better because of it and draw us closer to Him. David's tears. Look at the last thing and we're done, the trust of David. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. In God I will praise His word. In God I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. In order for David to see some good come out of his bad, he had to trust God. If you had the answers, it wouldn't be trust. Right now, today, tonight, tonight, right now, is the time of trust. Right now, in the middle of your problem, and he's in the middle of his problem when he writes this. In the middle of your problem, it's time to trust. You have to make a decision. And the decision's on you. Am I going to trust him or not? And it's on you. And if you'll trust him, you'll know he's for you. You'll know that you know that you know that he's for you. Because you're just, you're just putting it on him. You're just trusting him. David had to, had to trust him. He had to trust his mercy in verse number one. Be thou merciful unto me, O God. He had to trust his protection in verses two and three. They're fighting against me, God. They want to swallow me up. What time I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. Do you know you can have fear without trust? And you can have trust without fear? And you can have fear and trust. David shows all three of them in the passage. You can have fear without trust. You can have trust without fear. But you can also have fear and trust at the same time. So the devil tells you when you have all this fear, oh, your problem is you're not trusting in God. Or some self-righteous Christian says, oh, you're just, you need to just trust the Lord, brother. I do trust the Lord, and I'm scared. Why aren't you trusting the Lord? I am trusting the Lord, and I'm scared. And I'm in great company because a man after God's own heart did the same thing. So you can cry and still trust the Lord. 
You can be afraid and still trust the Lord. You can be confused and still trust the Lord. It's okay. You're human. You have to back off on yourself and let yourself go through the process it takes for God to show you that He's still God and He's for you. And He will show you if you'll stay for Him. Look at verse 12. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. You know what David knew? David knew God's promises were good. Look at verse 10. In God I'll praise His word, and the Lord will I praise His word. You know what he found in his times of trouble? Go read Psalm 119. He found the Bible, strengthened him. My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. There's been a couple times in my life, I'd say maybe three now, maybe, maybe, maybe even four, probably three, when literally I was desperately hanging on and I would just get out my Bible and I would just read it because I was just literally desperately hanging on. I was done. You understand what I'm saying? I was at the bottom. And I have found that when I open up my Bible and I start reading it, (laughs) when I'm desperate and I'm looking for Him, I start praising His Word. He has ways of saying, Hey, Dad, just pick pick up where me and Josh left off. All right, I'll pick up, honey. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. You can't make that stuff up. And if you think I'm making it up, you're inexperienced. You don't know what you're talking about. I've lived it too many times in too many different circumstances for anybody to ever tell me this Bible ain't the divine words of Almighty God and that He don't speak through that thing and make you something you ain't through that book. He infuses His strength into you and His help into you and His comfort into you and answers into you. It's a marvelous thing. you got to trust Him. His promises are good, right? You know what one of his promises is? The end of your Bible, you know what God tells you he's going to do in Revelation? He's going to wipe away all tears from your eyes. Put my tears into that bottle. All right, but the time's going to come when I ain't going to need that bottle. Because I'm going to take away every tear you've ever cried. I'm going to take your memory of all those tears away. And in his presence is the fullness of joy and his right hand are pleasures evermore. He's a great God, and that great God is for you. The question is, in your down times, will you stay for him? Because he is for you. Let's do something a little different tonight. If you're comfortable, why don't you just come on and gather around here tonight. Let's pray for the funeral coming up. If not, you can stay in your seat, but those of you that are comfortable, why don't you just come on up? I'm going to have uh, Anna, can you just come and play something softly on the piano? Just take a couple of minutes and let's just pray. Let's pray for Alexia.